welcome to Paradigms on WBKM.org. This is episode number 67, February 13th, 2011. مثل العزوم وتزعل الحبيب. 
بتشمت العزول وتزعل الحبيب الغدر مش وصول يا ابو الطبع العجيب بتشمت العزول وتزعل الحبيب راجع جميل حسابك اذا كنت تعزنا وافتح للحب بابك ده الحب يهمنا راجع جميل حسابك اذا كنت تعزنا وافتح للحب بابك ده الحب يهمنا يعني اسر الكلام احنا نحب الهنا ويجو الانسجام يسعدنا كلنا يعني وصل الكلام احنا نحب الهنا ويجو الانسجام يسعدنا كلنا يسعدنا كلنا ولا منا خدتنا ولا منا كسبتنا ولا منا خدتنا ولا منا كسبتنا نحنا بنفهم في جوك ولا انت جوينا علمناك الحساب في الحب غلطنا لا معاك نافع عتاب ولا راضيت ودينا ولا منك خدتنا ولا منك سبتنا ولا منك خدتنا ولا منك سبتنا نحن بنفهم في جوك وانت مش جوينا Good evening. Welcome to another edition of Paradigms. I'm your host, Baruch. Happy to be here with you this week. It's been a really interesting few weeks in Egypt, and we're going to focus on Egypt on tonight's show. Paradigms is about inspired, inspiring people. Paradigms is about visions of a viable future for life on Earth that includes humans. Paradigms is about what's working and what's happening in Egypt right now. While we don't know ultimately what the outcome will be, some big changes are afoot, not just in Egypt, but in Yemen, in Tunisia, in Algeria. So we're going to talk with some folks tonight who are familiar with the region, who have their own stories, and just learn some more. Tell you who's on the show tonight. We've got Jacqueline Baudet, who is a journalist. She's a producer and director of documentaries, most recently for the History Channel. We'll be hearing from Jacqueline. And a friend of hers named Kareem, I have a bit of a phone call from him earlier in the week, on February 3rd actually, so going back a bit just to give us some perspective. And that's courtesy of our friends Stuart Tanner and James Moore at KRUU in Fairfield, Iowa. Thanks so much for sharing this bit of audio with us. Susan Dahim is an Iranian artist in exile. She's a musician. We'll be talking with Susan and also hearing some of her music. And our friend Milad Sa'uriel Kamhat Mahes, also known as Kermit, will be on the show. So some interesting people, lots to learn, and fantastic music from the region. What we just heard musically is something called Alemnak El Esab, and the musician is Ahmed Adawaya. Let's hear our first interview with Jacqueline Baudet, and then we'll be back with music from Umkuthum. This is Paradigms on WBKM.org. I'm Jacqueline Baudet. I'm a journalist. I'm a television producer, director, 
And I had a specific experience in Egypt concerning uh, the people of Egypt, as I've um, filmed for the History Channel for almost 35 days for 18 hours a day with the friend in question who you'll be interviewing at some point, I realized that, you know, all of my predetermined assumptions about the Middle East and about Arabs and about uh, Egypt specifically were completely, you know, molded by a media portrayal that, you know, when I arrived there really had no relevance to my actual experience. (laughs) In that, you know, at the time... Uh, when I did this television show called Secret Passages, it was only one month after the 9-11 uh, incident. You know, I chose to go to Egypt because it was exciting and, you know, it was a job. <laughs> so, you know, I, I called uh, the friend that you'll be hopefully speaking with shortly, and uh, he had had, you know, much more intimate view of the land and had set, an, a, you know, a schedule for us to go look at certain monuments and meet people and professors, etc., So as an American coming in just one month after the attack, you know, I didn't really know what to expect and I didn't know how, you know, my security would ultimately play out. And, you know, as I kept finding over and over and over again that I was, uh, you know, confronted with my own fear that was completely unfounded. For instance, you know, once I was left in the car because my photographer needed to go get a gift. And I could see him, but I was still, you know, kind of in the street in the car. And a train let off, and all these people came towards the car. And there was one man who was, like, covered in blood, and he was carrying a machete, and he was walking towards the car. And I was, like, I was thinking, oh, my God, what's going on? And, you know, it ultimately turned out he was a butcher, and he was just getting off of work. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of things kept happening to me over and over again coupled with, uh, it happened to be Ramadan when I was there, and the extension of grace and just, you know, Egyptians will give you their last scoop of beans if you come to their house. I mean, there's there was such an extensive amount of giving and caring, and, you know, I if someone did say something to me like, you know, like a hey baby comment on the street, that person had five men on them saying, do not say that to her. Do not ever talk to a woman like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they were very, I mean, it was very interesting what had occurred. But ultimately, you know, in the 35 days of working with the people 18 hours a day, I felt safer than I feel, you know, in Los Angeles. Because there was a community that was networked without a digital network, if that makes any sense. I mean... Cairo is a city of millions and millions of people. I think it's about 18 million people. And it's really lived in three to four block segments, meaning that everybody in this three block by three block area knows what's going on in their area. And sometimes the news of your arrival would travel ahead of you on the street somehow, you know, via mobile phones. People would be expecting you two blocks away, you know. So the the congeniality you're describing is so different from the, the the stereotypical media portrayals and the, that gap, that perception gap you're talking about. It it's so important because we we filter everything we hear about what's happening in Egypt unconsciously through those preconceptions. So true. Um, you know the even the call to prayer. Like initially, it was you know different and 
exotic and unnerving. And, you know, I didn't know if it was a loudspeaker system that was being broadcast through the entire city. You know, I ended up being educated that, no, that's just the voices of the people in the city, you know, praying that is making the loudspeaker effect happen. You know, just the, the different things that I experienced when I was there, you know, my initial response to many situations was fear. And ultimately, those fears were dissolved because I saw a network of individuals who worked together, you know, in a very uh, kind, kind way. I, I really did not see, you know, in all of the immersion that I had, you know, at least the people that we were with were incredibly good people. And I felt like a kinship to their brightness. I mean, that, that because of the poverty and because of, you know, the struggles that the Egyptians have endured for thousands of years, there's a real um, collective consciousness and a tri- it's a tribal system, meaning that, you know, when we were in Luxor and we'd stay in, you know, real villages uh, in Gorna, uh, which is the, the city that is on top of the tombs of the nobles. People um, live actually on top of tombs in that area. And their ancestors had built the tombs. Uh, so they are a direct descendant of the pharaonic cultures. Like, much like Native Americans in America, they're original Egyptian um, line. And I saw the conflict with the government between the people directly, firsthand, in that, you know, archaeologists in the Department of Antiquities would look always to sneak on people's land and take measurements when they were at home or not looking <laughs> or something like that hoping that their magnetometers would get a measurement, in which case they had a whole system to remove the people from their homes they've lived in for three, four hundred years. And uh, I was later, I actually posted some beautiful pictures on my Facebook recently of Egyptian children, and I was I was just taken by the brightness. Um, and my friend that I hope you speak with at some point told me, don't bring candy for the kids, bring pens, like writing pens. And I was like, writing pens? You gotta get you know, here in America that would not be a gift, you know, necessarily. And and when I would give a kid a pen, they would just say like, Oh, thank you so much. We have a pen, now we can go to school because it's like part of the requirement to go to school that you have a pen and a piece of paper. And they would always ask me for a piece of paper also, you know. Things that we take so for granted here. No I mean could be free at the bank, you know. Free at the bank thing are like serious acquisitions there so that they can move forward. And the, the, the knowledge, I mean, the kids would follow me in this group and the, the parents would tell them, stay away from me, you know, when I was working. So, you know, I'm in this sandy village and the kids would follow like, you know, maybe 150 feet away, but in a pack, you know, so as I would move, the pack would move and they'd yell, just teach us one more word of English, Jacqueline, you know, like they are just craving knowledge craving education, you know, and with the greatest brightness in their faces. That was Jacqueline Baudet of the History Channel. We'll hear some more from her shortly. It's really interesting to learn, just to hear about Egypt. I've never been there, and I would love to go. We're going to listen to some music now. This is a woman who, she passed away a few years ago, but if you say her name anywhere in the region, everyone knows who she is. She was a very famous performer for a long time and really epitomizes 20th century Egyptian music in some ways. 
She's called Um Kothum. This is part of a live performance. The entire piece is about an hour long, so I just uh, managed to get this one bit, and I hope you like it, and we'll be following that with more music, and then we'll be back with Jacqueline. Here's Um Kothum on Paradigms.
حبيبي
It's Amr Diab, and you can actually find that one on the Putumayo North African Groove album. And that is Egyptian music, and as a lot of people don't really know, Egypt is in North Africa. Technically, Egypt is not the Middle East. It's part of Africa. So, let's listen to the second part of my conversation with Jacqueline Baudet. Culturally, it is different. There are differences in, in our cultures. We had a death in our village when I was there, and an elder died. And so, you know, again, the fear, you know, fear first factor crept in um, when I pulled back into the village with our group, and I see, like, this silhouetted 
um, you know, line of Egyptian women in black just screaming at the top of their lungs, you know, kind of highlighted by a streetlight. And I was like, whoa. Again, I thought like it was a revolution, you know. So what was going on? And that was the way that they, you know, dealt with death. At three in the morning, everybody got together and, you know, the women just let it out, you know, very um, viscerally. And then, you know, later on, the body was carried to the mosque and women took cabs to go to the mosque. And, you know, that was how it was dealt with. But it was just such a foreign experience to have that kind of raw and real environment. I mean, it also, you know, the people that I lived with lived very communally, uh, maybe four or five houses in a cluster. And one lady made the bread, one lady made the cheese, you know, one lady did yeah. did this type of gardening, and they all shared their resources from what they acquired. What would you suggest to um, Americans or others who don't have the opportunity to travel? How would you suggest they dismantle the media filters? What would you say that could be helpful to them in not viewing everything through this fear that you're talking about? Make a friend here who's Arab. Make a friend who is Egyptian or, you know, from an Arab country here. And, you know, know that person. You know, learn the culture that way from someone who is here so that it isn't completely foreign. And, you know, start with the food. Go have a nice meal, (laughs) you know, of, of, uh, you know, Middle Eastern food. And learn from the outside in. And, you know, very quickly, in, in my personal experience, I became an insider because people are truly the same everywhere on the planet. They like to eat, have a family, have smile, you know, smile and laugh, and, you know, love, ultimately. And so, you know, those basic principles of human dignity, you know, this was not a religious war. This was not even a political war. This revolution was about human dignity and freedom on the truest sense of freedom, what that really is, the right to choose who their leader is. I don't know all the technical details of the last, you know, 30 or let's say even 60 years of these regimes because I know that the regime previous to uh, Mubarak was also, you know, very unsatisfactory for people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of details available. And, you know, I really encourage people. We have a knowledge stream that is infinite now available to us um, called the Internet. And really, with, the, with enough investment in reading between the lines, you know, read the headlines, but read between the lines as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, look for the context, look for the point of view that is coming from the the direct source. I mean, you know, I've won a Peabody Award for work that I've done and nominated for an Emmy. And I quit the news station that I was working for at the time, which was Fox, because the news director said, you know, about a certain story we were working on, I don't care if it's true as long as you have B-roll to cover it. And, you know, I was new, a newer person in the business at the time. And I just stood back and I went, wait a minute, this is the news. Like, I I really thought the news was true before that moment. And, you know, ever since that time, I've just worked to understand, ultimately, the reality of this matrix that, you know, this digital matrix that we live in now. 
So the reality is there are great people in this world. I mean, there, there's actually, you know, a, a, a tremendous amount of hope for this planet because people are truly inherently good. Without discernment, we miss a lot of that. And so, you know, what you put your attention on grows stronger. And I think it's important for people, all people of the planet, to put their attention on solutions and, you know, multi-sourcing their information streams, not relying on one particular provider. I mean, I still watch Fox once in a while, but I, you know, I have multiple streams of information now that I utilize to form my opinions. And there are many horrible things going on on this planet. It's probably best not to focus on, you know, history, but to look towards the future in every moment and how to best resolve the, you know, current condition and, you know, move forward in love. Thank you so much. That's brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for calling. And Jacqueline mentioned a couple of times her friend that she hoped I would get to speak with. I didn't get to speak with him personally, but courtesy of our friends at KRUU in Fairfield, Iowa, which is a solar-powered FM radio station, 100.1 on the dial. Uh, Stuart Tanner and James Moore have a show, and they had a conversation with Kareem. And I'm playing just a part of that for you from February 3rd to give you some perspective on where things were just 10 days ago in Egypt. Here's Kareem. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, very good to be able to talk to you. I wonder if you could give us an update now of the, what's happened on the previous day and what you know, pay, paint a picture of how things stand at the moment from your point of view. Well, uh, what's happening now is, I mean, yesterday was just, um, was just um, a massive battle, basically. Um, you know, all these uh, promobark uh, hired thugs basically went off into uh, into the city and uh, with kind of makeshift signs and carrying bats and, and uh, weapons and started intimidating people and slowly kind of taking over downtown and they, they continued that into the night. Um, most of the army has left uh, and moved north of Tahrir Square. And the, the eastern sides of the square are basically kind of clogged by... Uh, by these these uh, pro Mubarak thugs that are basically keeping anybody from entering, it's Layla probably uh, entering the um, square and also intimidating anybody that's uh, downtown. Um, this was happening today, and also um, basically they're also kind of hunting journalists today, looking for cameras and looking for foreigners and uh, intimidating anybody that looks uh, uh, foreign.
most journalists have been moved off uh, any any of the uh, kind of near vicinity of Tahrir and and rounded up and you know so of course there's much less coverage today and um, at the same time there's still a lot of people in the square the whole square has been barricaded by the people on the inside for their protection medical supplies and food managed to get in today as well and I think people as well I think more people are actually joining the protest um, we have some uh, there are some people that I know that are inside so sometimes they give us calls and they give us some updates but um, I'm just really kind of fearful for them because with the army gone and uh, and the, the Promobark supporters there and no police presence, you can imagine the kind of uh, violence that could occur tomorrow. That's really what I'm afraid of, and every, everybody really doesn't know what will happen tomorrow. But Friday is usually the biggest day. That's something that, you know, after the midday prayer, um, people would come out and then join the protests. That seems to be what happened last, last week. That was Kareem, as I mentioned, and obviously things have changed a great deal since that telephone call that he had with uh, Stuart Tanner at KRUU. But I think for perspective, it's worth listening to that. Let's get into some more music. This is from uh, a musician named Amr Ismail, and he, this is modern Egyptian music. This is called Karnak. Let the bass kick.
give me something to dance. Wonderful music from Amr Ismail. You can actually find all of that music for free on the web. The music's just out there. If you Google Egyptian music, there's a lot of fantastic music out there that's available free, legally, to download and listen to. Great way to learn about a culture and experience its feelings, to listen to the music. I had the opportunity to speak with Susan Dahim, who is a very... Um, wonderful, also a musician, an interesting person. And we had a long conversation that was too long to use the whole thing on this show. So if you go to the Paradigms website, paradigms.bz, there's a link on tonight's show to the entire conversation, which is about 20 minutes long. I'm just going to play the first five minutes or so, and I really encourage you to go listen to the whole conversation. Uh, Susan is wonderful, and then we're also going to get into hearing some of her music. She has a brand new CD out called City of Leaves. We're going to hear something from that, and uh, later on in the show, something from an earlier CD of hers called Soliloquy. Here's Susan Daim on Paradigms. I'm uh, Susan Daim, and uh, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Welcome to Paradigms, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, too. Thanks for inviting me. What can you tell us about your perspective on what's happening in Egypt? Well, being an Iranian um, artist in exile for the last 30 years, you know, it's uh, it's a very complex situation, as as everyone you know everyone knows. It's uh, on one hand, you know, I think that it's uh, I'm very very happy that um, there has been 
such uh, unity in Egypt, and people have really stood for their rights. Uh, and uh, I remember the uh, revolution in Iran, and we had high hopes for for change. And then what happened was really like wasn't even close to my worst dream. So um, n- nightmare, I mean, <laughs> worst nightmare. Yeah. But um, the situation in Egypt is 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 precarious. I mean, in the sense that obviously you know everybody wants. Mubarak to go and people take over the place. It's clearly if this transition takes place in, you know, not very swiftly, you know, even uh, Mr. Um, Baradi, his perspective as to like, you know, try to change things within a context of one year and have a government that could gradually, you know, form itself without the influence of Mubarak. Of course, that would be the best of all scenarios. The question is, Everyone is afraid of that transitional moment uh, and how to to form that government. But having said all of that, you know, it's been extremely inspiring. It's been extremely uh, shocking to see what's happening in in, in Egypt, in Tunisia, in Yemen, Jordan now. And uh, it's, you know, I really hope that something really positive happens in uh, Egypt and it becomes an example of, you know, as to um, how the people can actually, like, speak out and, uh, you know, look for their rights, you know, search for their rights. And um, and I hope Iran is next. It's pretty amazing to see this this fervor, this, this, this strong commitment for freedom really voicing itself after all this repression. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's really wonderful. And, and, um, Considering um, the uh, intensity of the um, the the the, uh, the demand, I'm, I'm you know I'm I'm still really happy that things have not turned much more aggressive, that people have kept really a peaceful atmosphere, uh, despite the fact that we had a couple of really bad bad days, uh, that it didn't turn out like you know into what happened in Iran and uh, the barbaric you know uh, treatment of the Iranian you know. The, Islamic Republic of Iran. So, unfortunately, you know, uh, you know, maybe we can become, you know, some kind of an example for each other in the, um, you know, Middle East, North Africa, Muslim countries to um, as to how to stay away from this sort of extremist ideas, whether it's religion or democratization, because you know things need time to. To uh, to form, and not everybody is in the same wavelength in in, in our country. Some people are very educated, very very uh, internationally, you know, savvy, um, much more wealthy, and there are so many other people who are not in that place. So, the concept of I think democracy in different landscapes is it really translates as a, as a different thing, and it should because when you jump too far into uh, progress, then you know, you, you're leaving a whole bunch of people behind. There needs to be someone. There's always this discussion in Iran that who should be the next president if we had any choice. And then some people, some people choose some of our great, great people who are like amazing, amazing, you know, people who have doctorates in political science. They're amazing spokespeople for our culture, but also in terms of international awareness. But then you would say... Can someone like that, uh, a Harvard graduate, a um, an Oxford, you know, uh, graduate, go back to Iran and really understand what 
the people of Iran or the, the lower class, the middle class. So it's you know it's very complex the situation in, in, in Egypt. But all I can say is that it's it's just been extremely um, inspiring. Uh, at the same time that we are you know all praying that it doesn't become uh, uh, you know an aggressive uh, bloodshed situation. You know. That was Suzanne Dahim. One of the things that I know people are wondering about very much is what will happen in Egypt and now that Mubarak has stepped down and the military is running the country, will this become a militarized country, more totalitarian than it's been? Will this, you know, what's going to happen? Will this become a, a country of extreme religiosity? Um, as Suzanne was saying, what happened in Iran has been so tragic for the people and the hopes are that this is not what happens in Egypt. Let's listen to some music. This is a track from Susan Dahim's brand new CD called City of Leaves, which you can find at her website, susandahim.com. There's also a link on our website. This is called Fire Within.
Fire Within from Susan Dahim's new CD, City of Leaves. I really hope you'll check out her music and check out the uh, extended version of the interview at our website. All right. Well, we're, we're almost running out of time. We've got uh, one more interview and some more music. Let's hear from our friend Kermit on Paradigms on WBKM.org. My name is Milad Soriel. Kermit Mahes. My friends just call me Kermit. I'm an Egyptian-American. So, Kermit. Yes. What's your reaction to Mubarak's I'm I'm, uh, I'm excited, but I, I have trepidation because Solomon's in office. Right. We have yet to see what he's going to... I mean, we know what he's done in the past. We have yet to see what he'll do in the future. Yeah. Do you think that yeah. the role of the military acts as a mitigator to some of his potential for repression? I think that because the military is the people, that it's everyone has to be in the military, that it's going to be very difficult for them to use the military against the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's this, there's this really huge apparatus that is the secret police the police, it is a police state, so I'm not really certain what uh, what will become of them. Yeah, I... You know, when, when yeah. you're talking about, you know, you know, who is it that makes sure that Mubarak wins every time in these elections? Right. Um, you know, this kind of thing. But, that you know, I, I, I might underestimate the, the power of, <laughs> of my people, you know, the... the uh, I'm very proud of, of Egypt right now. It's, it's a... It's a important moment not just for Egypt but for the entire region in North Africa and further east. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I really, I, I'm just in shock. You know, I'm, I'm I, shock. I have this theory which is that basically, you know, the West had its experiments in democracy starting a few hundred, couple hundred years ago and we've failed. Um, we've become corporatocracy. And in Africa, that was held back through colonialism, and in the East, which was also held back through colonialism, they are now meeting that place that the West met before, and hopefully we'll do it better, you know? But I see it as sort of human evolution, not that I think democracy, per se, is the epitome, because it isn't, Um, but... You know, these are all steps in our evolving towards actually uh, being able to sustain ourselves on this planet before we completely kill it, the surface. That's my theory. Right. What do you think? I don't know. I think that I'm watching the news, you know, on mute, and I'm, I'm looking at all these faces, and I'm still only seeing men. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Did you see the video of Asma, who started no. it? No. A, no. A woman no. started this, a young woman, the video... Uh, oh, yeah, yes, yes, I've seen the video of her. Yes, yes I have. that's on the Paradigms website after this show. Amazing, oh, she wonderful. started it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah it, it is it, men in the square. Exciting. Wow, there's a woman, finally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's another woman, there's a couple of women, fantastic. Um, I, I don't know, I, I think that right now, I'm just in shock. I, I can't believe he stepped down. Uh, he is now open for being taken. Uh, you know, he's going to have to deal with the ju- with the judicial system. 
he's going to leave the country. Yeah, I mean, there'll be lawsuits and everything, but really, we can't underestimate Solomon. He's not a nice, uh, benevolent person, you know, so we have to be, you know, we have to be aware of that. See what happens. You know, thank you so much for sharing this moment with me. Well, thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I, I, uh, wow. That interview obviously recorded after Mubarak stepped down, and you can hear how happy Kermit is, and I, there are many, many very happy people about this decision. And, of course, we have yet to see what will happen, how things will unfold. Uh, Omar Suleiman is going to be the president, and he has a record as a CIA operative and and head of security forces and someone who has authorized brutality and torture against Egyptian people. So it's not clear where things will go. We'll find out. Time will tell. Let's hear some more music from the region. Here's some music from Algeria. The artist is called Khaled. This is Paradigms. I'm a man of my word. 
was some music from uh, Morocco, Tunisia area. As you could tell, it was in French. And the French colonialized that part of the world, and that's part of what is changing. Is you know those colonial powers have been thrown out, and and their influences remain, and people are wanting to reclaim their own cultures. That was a musician called Rani, and those that in the previous piece of music, Yarei from Algeria, um, can both be found on the Putumayo North African Groove CD. As I was putting the show together, I did get an email from Kareem, who we heard from earlier, and uh, we spoke on Skype, and I'm going to play that conversation for you now. This came in Saturday, the 12th. We're going to hear from Kareem, and then we'll come back and finish up the show. So, Kareem, uh, it's now... Saturday afternoon, and where are you now? We are outside of Paris, actually. We managed to leave Egypt uh, sort of in the darkest hour. We weren't sure what was going to happen. And uh, we're, we're thankful that obviously things worked out for the best, at least, as, at least as, as far as today is concerned. The first demand of the people has been met. Mubarak has stepped down. However, it's not very clear exactly what is going on, and uh, people have no, no uh, intentions of leaving Tahrir Square as we speak. They're waiting to see what the promises of the military are and what the plan of implementation of those promises will be over the next few weeks. But uh, for, for us, we are, uh, we are obviously ecstatic about what's happened, and uh, we wish we were there. But we also realized that we had to get out while we could because we had, for a number of factors, uh, mainly because we were living downtown in the middle of this uh, war. And uh, we have a one-year-old child. And we also have copious amounts of hours of footage with all of our friends' faces on it and their, their opinions and their actions. And uh, we couldn't afford that uh, any of that fall in the wrong hands. No, definitely not. So that's why we came to Paris, but we feel obviously just as equally a part of this as, as any Egyptians do anywhere in the world. And we're so proud of our country and our people. What do you think um, will happen next? I mean, it's speculation, of course. Well, anything could happen. Uh, the military, uh, partly while we left, we left uh, around six days ago. So we, we left in a time when it wasn't clear what side the military was on. We had seen some atrocities. I had actually filmed, personally, three Jeeps uh, drive through a crowd and, and probably kill a couple of people. Um, we knew that the military had orders to shoot on the people, which they didn't do. We knew that the military allowed uh, the violence to occur under orders uh, from the government. And these were all these were all very scary uh, indicators that there could be growing and spreading violence um, over the past few days. But thankfully, I think that the people inside the military have seen the light and and realized that they are not um, they are not the puppet of a corrupt government, but rather the the tool of a great nation. And um, I think that. What will happen, and I think that will, will have to happen, is that the military will essentially keep the peace and 
will have to set up some sort of schedule that is not determined by them, but rather by by the by the uh, the protesters and by the opposition to create um, an environment whereby free elections can be held in a relatively short amount of time under hopefully under the guise of a free uh, and open judiciary uh, supervision and uh, also just uh, they will have to suspend the emergency law I think that's really the these these three things have to happen fairly quickly so we're, we're all watching to see what's going to happen but uh, as far as today is concerned um, all Egyptians are celebrating and almost in disbelief that they managed to dismantle one of the most notorious police states on the planet with relatively very few resources and obviously uh, peacefully. I think people in police states around the world are celebrating that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it shows you what can be done with uh, simple perseverance and a peaceful uh, attitude and knowing that the moral right is on your side. Um, We've seen very simple people, very poor people, uh, but people that will not be, uh, not be swayed by violence or fear to demand their simple human rights. And that's what we've seen in Egypt today. So we're all hopeful for, for a better future. I know that people are already down in Tahrir Square cleaning it up, sweeping away all the debris and all the burnt cars and the, the rocks that have been thrown over the last week. They've already started to begin building, rebuilding their, their country. Wow. Well, it, truly inspiring. Yeah, I think so. I think this is a massive uh, wake-up call for the, for the entire planet to, to carefully watch your governments and see, uh, you know, if they start to enslave you, then, you know, people really have to remember that the, the power lies in their hands, not in the, power, not in the hands of a government. Uh, that is supposed to represent the people. So this was a massive lesson, and, and I think that if it can be done in Egypt, it can be done anywhere on the planet. Repression just will not stand, and, and it could get uglier again in other places or still in Egypt. But I think, yeah, the message is clear. We really do have the not only the right but the ability to throw down the repressive regimes, and they're all over the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think that um, people power in the case of Egypt is, is something that is infectious. I think that people uh, the world over have many grievances regarding uh, the way the, their governments are treating them. Uh, in probably uh, maybe less obvious ways that, that, than what was happening in Egypt over the last 30 years. But certainly there is growing oppression in the world and I think that uh, what's happened in Egypt is simply steam uh, rising to the top and blowing off the cover and I think that it can be done and repeated in, in, in probably most of the Arab countries although Egypt is not uh, trying to export any kind of revolution this was certainly uh, a case of cleaning house there was no uh, agenda there are no leaders this was certainly just people power there is no uh, desire of, uh, on the Egyptian people to to impose this uh, this action onto others and other countries, but it is uh, an action which shows, I think, the people of the world that that tyranny will not stand, and that a people who have been beaten down for so long still have the opportunity and the ability to rise up in the face of that brutality and cruelty. 
and regain their, their humanity and their pride. And uh, that's what we've seen today. Egypt is a new, is it has, has refound its, its pride. And it, I'm so proud to be Egyptian today and have always been. But today is a special day for, for Egyptians as people who have re-entered the world community uh, with their heads up high. And um, this is a fantastic day for all of us. Sure is. Thank you so much, Kareem. Thank you, Barut. That was Kareem, who usually lives in Cairo. I'm so glad we got to speak with him. Thanks, Kareem. I hope it's been uh, interesting for you. I certainly learned a lot putting this show together and talking with people about what's happening in Egypt. I learned that there are many indigenous peoples in Egypt, that they're not all Arabs, and that Egypt, you know, we tend to think of Egypt as being part of the Middle East, but Egypt is in North Africa. It is the Near East, the gateway to the Middle East, but Egypt is African. Anyway, very interesting. We'll keep watching and seeing what happens. Oh, and before we go, I wanted to let you know, in case you weren't aware, this whole thing in Egypt was started when this one young woman posted a video of herself on YouTube calling for people to go down to Tahrir Square and protest. I've put a link up to that video. If you go to the paradigms.bz website under tonight's show, you'll see a link to this video of Asma Mahfouz. It's in Arabic and there are English subtitles. It's very inspiring. I hope you'll go watch it. I'm going to leave you with a piece of music from Susan Dahim's CD Soliloquy. It seemed appropriate. This one is called Turbulent. You've been listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. We'll see you next time.
been listening to Paradigms on WBKM.org. Thank you.